This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, morning, and happy June. Um, despite when you're listening, today is the first Friday of June, and really excited. We have got a head teacher coming to talk to us on a very positive subject today, all around how we can create a really inclusive and happy positive school environment. Uh, morning Tom, I can see is listening in. Morning Marie, morning to everyone who's joining me live. Um, but if you're listening back, welcome to you as well today. We've got lots of questions that I want to ask Paul who will be joining us shortly. But if you have any questions and if you're listening live between 11 and 12, do feel free to pop them on the chat and we can certainly try and ask as many questions as we can to Paul um, if there is time. I have got a lot of my own though. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, I think this is Paul just joining us. Um, uh, morning, Marie, saying hello in the chat. And uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's quite nice to know we're going to be having a very positive conversation today all around how we can create a positive and happy school environment. Uh, just while we wait for Paul Brown to join us, if you don't follow his uh, school already, you will find them on Twitter, Brand School School, um, uh, because some of the things Paul's talking about with us today, you might be able to see on their feed. They've got lots of lovely photographs of the things the children have been doing. Um, one thing that I think is really interesting about Paul's school, and I'm sure he'll talk more with us about that later, is kind of what values a school holds dearly. and one thing that I think is really nice about Paul and his school is that their core value is to be a loving school. And I think that just really sums up really what schools should do and what education is about. It should be about that kindness, that support. And so that's definitely something I want to ask Paul more about today. How, how can you have, you know, how do you fulfill that value of having a loving school? And what does that look like day to day? So let me just see if I can invite Paul to join us this morning. Hopefully no technical issues. Um, yeah, so sit back and relax for the next hour with me. This, this programme has, has been brought to you by the Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready to go, wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and wellbeing tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. So, just waiting uh, for our, our guests to join us. Um, and hopefully, he'll be here very soon. Welcome to everyone listening. See, we've got lots and lots of people listening live this morning. Uh, so, hopefully, technology won't disappoint us. It's been a really nice uh, week for me, working with my students this week. One of my students got something published, which is really exciting. She's currently a teaching assistant in a school. Um, so really nice to see that, uh, you know, even as a student, as someone who's trained to be a teacher, the world is your oyster. You've all got an important voice to share. So think about ways that you can share that. Um, the article was on Fusion magazine and the, my student was called Natasha and a really interesting article about how we can support um, children. I won't give it all away. You'll have to jump onto Fusion mag and have a read. Um, I'm just apologies for the delay, just waiting for our guests to join us this morning. I know last time 
Um, one of my guests had a few issues joining, so thanks for your patience. Um, if anyone does have any questions in the meantime, do feel free to ask them. I must feel like Friday morning is such a nice time to have a guest, but also my brain's slightly half asleep. Not sure how everyone else is feeling. Hopefully for any teachers listening, you've had a really good half-term break. It's always really nice to see teachers on their social media sharing the things that they're doing um, in their half-term. Really nice to see people making the most of having that extra time to yourself. And hopefully you've done something nice for you. So you're feeling restored and refreshed. Um, I was speaking to teacher Matt last week and his school has two weeks for half term. So if any of you listening also have two weeks off, that just sounds wonderful. And hopefully lots of nice things planned for your second week next week. Um, I'm just going to hopefully have head teacher Paul Brown joining us in a minute, um, talking about how we create a positive and inclusive space in our schools. I wonder if uh, any teachers listening, if you've got any top tips for having a positive and inclusive space, if you want to share them. Um, and yeah, maybe we can, we can see what Paul does in his school to promote that inclusive and safe space. Let's enjoy the news and our two minute tech while we wait for our guests to join us. And I can't wait to see, I always enjoy the two minute tech feature, seeing what new thing I can learn. So sit back and relax uh, while we enjoy the news. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready to go, wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and wellbeing tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.confident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The debate around immigration took a turn towards education this week, as the UK government announced that foreign postgraduate students on non-research courses will no longer be able to bring family members to the UK. According to the BBC, the University of Wolverhampton has already criticised the new plan. Whilst Prime Minister Rishi Sunak said the move would help bring migration down, Dr Rachel Morgan Guthrie from the university said students who came with a support network were more likely to succeed. Last year, 135,000 188 visas were granted to dependents of foreign students, nearly nine times more than in 2019. In the same period, 680,000 foreign students studied in the UK. There was also a division within the government as some wanted to see the ban on dependents extended to all postgraduate students, whilst others, including Education Secretary Gillian Keegan, argued that there were economic benefits both to universities themselves and the wider community. Vapes have regularly appeared as a topic of concern for many teachers, and a recent report into substances found in illegal vapes is likely to raise further issues. The BBC reports that vapes confiscated from school pupils contained high levels of lead, nickel and chromium. The results of the test showed that children using them could be inhaling twice the safe limit of lead and nine times the safe amount of nickel. High levels of lead exposure can affect the central nervous system and brain development. 
The majority of the vapes analysed were deemed illegal and had not been tested before being sold in the UK. So-called highlighter vapes, designed in bright colours to look like highlighter pens, contained unsafe levels of the metals coming from the e-liquid. The government has allocated £3 million to tackle the sale of illegal vapes, but critics say it is not enough to deal with concerns around the number of children gaining access to these products. In Scotland, school meal debt could be scrapped in some additional areas after North Ayrshire Council agreed an action to investigate the impact the debt was having on families and schools. Head teachers of local schools are regularly reminding parents they owe money, according to the story in the Daily Record. Twelve councils across Scotland have already abolished this type of debt. The increase in families struggling with paying for meals has been attributed to the cost of living crisis. Many schools have reported parents struggling to feed children and resorting to sending pupils to school with inadequate pack lunches or, in extreme circumstances, keeping children off school to avoid accruing more debt. Finally, and staying with the topic of food, STV reports that in Glasgow, free school meals have been so popular that head teachers have had to stagger lunch times to ensure everyone can eat comfortably. The increased uptake of children in P1 to P5 accessing a free meal has again been attributed to the cost of living crisis, meaning more families are needing to access certain benefits. But at least everyone is getting a good meal and the staggered breaks have helped kitchens and dining halls to cope. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm considering how easy it is to get distracted when researching on the internet. I'm putting myself in the shoes of a young person and I've set myself a task of writing a report on the greatest invention of all time. I'm also not going to use ChatGPT. So, my first online search shows a lot of people claim the wheel is the greatest invention. And let's face it, there are a lot of them around. There are 9 million bicycles in Beijing. And that's a fact. That's 18 million wheels just on bikes in one city, if we assume nobody has a tricycle. This led me to want to know how many bicycles there are in the world. The answer I found was an estimated 1 billion. That's 2 billion wheels, again, assuming nobody has a tricycle. Now I want to know how many wheels are there in the world. Another search tells me there's an estimated 37 billion, 24 of these billion being toys, and the next biggest share of 8.4 billion being on cars. A quick the results page poses an additional question I hadn't considered. Are there more doors or wheels in the world? Well, I simply have to know. In a few clicks, I find out it's estimated there are 48 billion doors in the world. So based on this research, there are more doors and isn't a door a great invention? Yet it's not been proposed as one in my prior searches. And if there are that many doors, how many hinges must there be? The amazing thing about the internet is that there's always an answer. And the way search engines deliver those answers are designed to keep you interested and active. So potentially, you see more ads and make them more money. Which doesn't help get that report written, does it? Does your school teach young people how to research effectively? Do our young people realise how much they are advertised at? I'd love to hear your thoughts. As always, when I get in touch at TC Radio Official, I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Well, welcome back. Welcome back with me, Poppy Gibson, here on the Friday morning break. Uh, I can't believe that the two minute deck, two minute tech um, thing has put the doors and wheels conversation back in mind because I'd finally forgotten about that uh, query. Are there more doors or wheels? 
I'm still not sure that uh, that is totally right, but apparently it's doors. So if anyone else ever got involved in that debate last year, apparently it's doors. Um, but let's move on because I said it's going to be a positive conversation today. And hopefully we've got our guest here with us, Paul Brown. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Poppy. How are you? Yay! Good morning. Much happier now you're here. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I was, I'm much happier as well. I was having a proper meltdown at this end there, and I've no idea why I've co- I'm called such a bizarre name on this thing either, but I can't manage to work out how to change it. So I'm going to leave it alone in case it's it disappears again. Absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. It's just great that you're here, Paul. I'm so happy you could give us some of your half term. So we really appreciate you joining us. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. <laughs> So, Paul, I've written a whole list of questions for you, uh, if that's okay. And I I know today our theme is kind of talking about positive school culture. But I thought maybe before we jump in with the questions, and I know we've got lots of listeners listening live as well who might ask questions, maybe could you please tell us a bit about you, about your own background, your own educational journey? Is that okay, Paul? Yeah, sure. Um, Thanks. so I'm sort of coming, I guess, towards the latter end of my education um, career, um, sort of into my into my fifties now. Um, I've been a head teacher for twenty one years, coming up twenty two. Wow! Years. Oh uh, my goodness, I, that's amazing. I, well, yeah, it is amazing, really. I look back on it and think I'll, I'll manage that but anyway. Um, I've been wow. a head teacher in three different schools in that time, and before you know, I've taught for thirty years, um, mainly up in in the Lake District. I was really lucky in teaching up there. And I trained up there as well as a teacher, um, which was amazing, right in the Ambleside um, in a teacher training college up there, which was amazing. It's gone now, sadly. Um, And um, always been a big advocate for outdoor learning, sort of um, uh, experiential learning, that sort of thing. Um, Did a lot of work in Central in in challenging schools, Tower Hamlets and and places like that, Bethnal Green, um, to Mm -hmm. see if the same principles could be applied to those sorts of schools that weren't as privileged in their spaces and stuff, um, which was really challenging but really exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, I had a small, my first headship was in a really quite small school with only four, five classes. And that was quite challenging. And then be, after that, became the head of a school that would, had been put in special measures. And that was a big challenge, but an amazing staff team there that taught me so much about teamwork and what it means to, wow. how important a good ethos is. And we got out of special measures in nine months at that school, which was amazing. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, we got a good, which was amazing. Um, and that was a big sort of, that was probably one of the highlights, really, to see that school turn around because there's such yeah. great people. And in just it. nine months as well, Paul. Yeah, that was, well, yeah, well, it was nothing to do with me. That was just with me saying, asking them what they thought. They're the experts in the school. I'd only just arrived, so I just asked them what they thought we needed to do, and then I facilitated mm-hmm. that to happen. And then, so, yeah, it was all down to, to an amazing staff, really, who just needed to be heard, which was fantastic. And, um, yeah, and then I moved down south then I'm, I'm now at Bransgore School been there 10 years this year um, mm-hmm. and yeah I moved just for for change of scenery to be by the beach and lovely weather and it's amazing it's a great place to be a head teacher in the middle of the new forest which is incredible wow. so gosh very, very you have, blessed. Yes, so you've lived and taught in some really nice parts of, mm. of England <laughs> yeah I'm a lucky boy 
I'm a lucky boy. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm originally from Liverpool. And my intention was always to go back to Liverpool and to teach there. And I never did. I never have. Um, because I took a job in my first te- my last teaching practice school. Um, so in those days, I thought having a job is a great idea. So as soon mm-hmm. as I was offered one, I took it. And um, mm-hmm. and I didn't really look back. I lo- I've loved every minute of my teaching career. I love being Aww. a teacher. So. Love that. So, so maybe one day you might trade the beach for the banks of the Mersey or no? <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. I sort of think I might, I might be going all the way down to go all the way back up again. You know, you never know. Maybe. Maybe, maybe you, you don't know what the future holds, Paul. You do, you do not. No, no. Wow, amazing. What a journey. And it sounds like you enjoy a challenge. Yeah, love a challenge. Yeah, that's what keeps you going, isn't it? If you, if you don't feel challenged and excited by what you're doing, you probably should be doing something else, I think. Um, mm. and, and obviously... There's nothing much more challenging than school leadership, I don't think. And in fact, teaching in general, really, I've got nothing but admiration for colleagues that I work with. Um, oh, and, that go, and that goes right down to, you know, teaching assistants and people that support the school in, you know, cleaners and the support staff, admin teams. And it's just, a, it, you know, it, it really is a true truism that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And that's so true. Um, oh. And I feel very privileged. That's lovely. Lot, oh. a, you know, there's a lot of negativity around, around being a teacher these days, and you can get a bit swept away with all that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think actually the fundamentals of the job are still massively rewarding. Um, it'd be nice to have a better environment to work in, but um, I wouldn't change it. Wouldn't change what I do. Love that. I can I can see why your schools have always been so uh, so productive and positive, Paul, with you at the helm. What a, what a lovely, you know, and like you say, everyone matters in a school, don't they? We're all part of our, our school family or, you know, even if you're in college or university, you all need to work together and communicate. And that's the, the way you get the results, isn't it? Absolutely. And making feel, you know, making people feel seen and making people see that their role within the organisation is important and valued is is critical, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those people don't forget come into contact with the young people that you're teaching. So if they're disillusioned, they'll pass that on to the children. So it's really important that, you know, your dinner staff and your midday supervisors and your teaching assistants and everybody feels they're part of something bigger. Yeah. I love that. All, all working together with the same vision and values. That's wonderful. Yeah, wow. Okay. So th- I feel like this is set up perfectly for the first question I've written for you, Paul. It was oh, seamless. <laughs> so um, I guess the first thing I just really wanted to ask then, I know you've shared all those amazing places you've worked. In your experience, how do we create a positive school culture? And I know you've given us some handy hints there about valuing everyone, but mm. for anyone listening, really, how do we do that? Um, I think probably the first thing that I would say is to try to be really clear about what you value as as a school leader or as a teacher. If you want to, if you're thinking about it in the classroom environment, think about what's really important to you. What you think will move. You know, you've got to look at it through the lens of the community that you serve. So, what would be the ideal culture for my school? wouldn't necessarily be the ideal culture for a school in central London or in Middlesbrough or, you know, remote Scottish islands or something. You've got to look at the community that you serve because that's that's where you should be coming from. You know, it's, it's a job of service, really. It's a job of support and um, it should be the hub of any, any community. I think a school, a place, the most trusted place, really, for people to go and to be. Um, mm-hmm. And so... I guess to create a positive school culture, you've got to start with the assumption that everybody there has the best of intentions. Um, I think 
people sometimes go in looking for the negative. Actually, I've I've supported a lot of schools in challenging circumstances. I've been I've done a lot of you know um, NLE type work where I've gone into schools that are struggling with leadership or or headship or whatever or haven't got a head um, and and I've had a bad Ofsted or whatever challenging Ofsted outcomes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And what you tend to find is that. I've never been in a school where people had overall poor intentions for the children or the learners in their care. Most people want the best and do their best. Um, sometimes that can be slightly misguided um, and, and or might be quite um, disparate in the way that they, they're approaching it and that needs pulling together then. So I think one of the big things is to make the assumption that most of the people you're going to be working with have the best of intentions and are doing their best and if they're doing something wrong it's probably not deliberately the case so assume the best in people assume Mm -hmm. they're there for the best and that will mean that now and again you get taken for a bit of a ride or a bit of a mug but i'm happy for that i'm I'm happy for that to happen because for every one person that does that to you there'll be 10 people who appreciate you noticing them and, and appreciating them and assuming the best of them and so you still get on balance a much better outcome um, and a much more loyal and supportive staff team. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that <clears throat> you've got to then share that, and it's got to filter down. You know, it's got to filter down to the children. You've got to role model what you want, and that I think the the vision and the values have to be really, really clear. Not many of them either. That's why you know our school's just got one, which is to be a loving school, and that's it. Um, and so we talk a lot around that. And whilst it sounds very simple, it's actually quite complex. Because you've got to think about, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we live that out in the way that adults speak to each other and interact? How do we do? How do we show that through the way we plan activities for our learners? Um, and how do we engage our parents in that? Um, and to be, you know, to create an, an environment which is both compassionate, consistent, very open and transparent, really clear about what you want to do and what your intentions are. Um, and then to make sure parents understand that as well. So it's got to be really clear and it can't be too much couched in educational jargon, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and above all things, be a person. You know, at the, at the heart of it, we're human organisations, so humanity is really important. Being vulnerable and prepared to be wrong is also important. Mm-hmm. Um, and model those things. You know, so model that you're a learner to model, you know, get your staff to model good learning, challenging each other, but then challenging in the right ways. Um, and I think that fosters positivity amongst people if they feel valued and heard and seen. Um, and then the, that whole idea of challenge through, because, you know, one of the things that we'll say is because we love you and care about you, we're not going to accept that behaviour from you or we're not going to accept mm-hmm. that poor standard of learning from you or whatever. Um, and children understand that. And, and you know, it's a, I think that's really important, really, is just to make sure that you're really open and transparent and clear about what you want and what your values are. Amazing. I think I think about it's about those those fair and consistent boundaries, isn't it? And I like the way you use that word consistency. I think when children know what to expect, you know, that's when they feel comfortable, isn't it? They, you know, if the, if the school's got this fair, consistent approach and everyone's on board with, you know how things are being done then children are going to be more comfortable knowing what to expect so wow i think i've written down so many amazing points already from that paul thank you sorry <laughs> so, yeah, I do so waffling on sorry 
no no you know that's the best kind of radio guest <laughs> we don't have any you know virtual tumbleweeds rattling around the studio so no that's that's amazing and I can see that you know after did you say it was 20 years as a head yeah just over 20 years yeah 20 years as a head so yeah amazing you know to think the people that you've you've had that impact on and the the pupils you know that that's had a, an impact on you know through that cascade of of love and support and I love that idea of you know your school being a loving school but like you say it's more complex <laughs> than yeah. it sounds it can't yeah. all be hugs and and rainbows so I guess my next question then off the back of that how do we get that balance right between kind of the challenge and support do you think well I guess um I guess you know it's a little bit like um what's that uh, Peter Drucker quote about culture eats strategy for breakfast isn't it that, that one that you know culture is the all-important thing but I'm not absolutely certain that that's totally accurate because I think if you've got if you've got a if you've got a really good culture but no real strategy at all then you just end up with a lovely place to be but not necessarily enough direction um, but if you've only got strategy and no culture then you've you're the opposite you just you, you're not going to be followed nothing's going to work people are going to go off in different directions um and so i do think there's a there's a balance between those two things and i think um you know when you can't really challenge people authentically unless you're happy to model um being challenged yourself um, <laughs> and i think um you know, when you when if you can model being a good listener and and valuing people, um, being able to offer, you know, if you're going to challenge someone, then offer them the support that they you think they need. So you know, I, I like um, Kim Scott's work on on radical candy. You know, where you talk about you you care personally, but you'll challenge um, directly. So so being really open and transparent about you know caring about the person, thinking about the person, saying you know. How are you? How's things? You know, trying to know more about them, understanding their circumstances, so that you can then challenge appropriately and at the right time. Um, because sometimes people really don't pick the right time to challenge somebody, um, and I think that's really important. And, and you know, good school leaders pick their moment and then say what they need to say, and don't get bogged down too much in sort of. I, I think Kim Scott calls it ruinous empathy where it's you know the message gets lost in sort of sympathizing with people a bit too much rather than saying look this i've cared about you you're really important you're really important to our organization care about you as a person i see you you as a human being but we've got this thing that does need to be addressed and i think you know these are some how can i help you to address them is there any more i could be doing um and so you know people knowing that they're valued Mm -hmm. allows you to support them and challenge them that's excellent. Wise words, Neville. Thank you. So kind of taking what you said there, I'm, I'm back to one of the first things you said on the show today, like obviously what works for one school might not work for others, but but equally, I guess, um, what works for one child doesn't always work for others. So I guess, I guess my next question I'd like to ask you then, how might school leaders account for the wide ranging needs of our learners that we have in our schools these days? Is Have you kind of got any advice or tips for for how we can make sure you know we do have that inclusive approach taken into account how you know the diverse range of needs in our classrooms um i think i mean i really like all the latest 
things around you know I, I don't think the latest thing is always the thing i think you've got to be really careful with this thing you know i think um, initiative overload can be terrible and, and vacillating between one strategy and another strategy and one approach and another approach is probably one of the most dangerous things for education but you know stick to what works um but i do think the the work around adaptive teaching at the moment and being more in the moment with with learners is really really important you know thinking about mm-hmm. um you know rosenshine's work what mark Rowland says about relational teaching and feedback and um, feedback in the moment i think is really important and being prepared to shift and change what you're doing um you know and if you think about the two sort of pillars or the two tracks that really need to go together in a school if you're going to take a relational approach which i think is really you know, I, I like a relational approach. I think it works. I think it, it's it's authentic and and it's and it's effective. So if you're going to have a relational sort of policies around behaviour and such like, then you've also got to extend that into the classroom and how the children are, are being set tasks and and they're learning. So if you're saying to children on one hand, outside the classroom, I see you as an individual. I recognise you. I value you as an individual. Like we have something called a BIP scheme that recognises every child once a, you know a whole week every year sees them mm-hmm. as a person and we celebrate them just wow. for who they are they don't earn it they just are it so they could have had the worst week possible the week before and then they just get a vip week they're picked at random and we celebrate them for a week they wear a red jumper instead of a blue school jumper oh it's wow a little, it's got a little gold vip on it and they oh wow that's and, so cute and we celebrate them and we say you know it's amazing you're here and we talk about why school would be less why we would be diminished as a group if you weren't here and we talk about different jigsaw pieces all being different and the jigsaw doesn't work if two pieces are the same um but also a jigsaw doesn't look right if one piece is missing so you've got to belong and your shape is the perfect shape for that hole in our school and so we talk about all those sort of things if you're going to say that to children outside of the classroom and value them and and see them as people and individuals then within the classroom what you're teaching them has got to be adapted to their needs and their their abilities. Um, and so you've got to be looking and thinking, right, you know, the teacher can adapt a, adapt a plan and you know, differentiate or whatever you want to call it and say, right, these are the activities I'm going to do for these children in my classroom. But actually really great teaching now is, you know, doing that assessment on the hoof, looking, you know, doing your live marking and saying, right, okay, guys, you, you're actually moving on much faster than I thought. I think we need to change what we were going to do. You guys moving a little bit more slowly. We need to help explain that a bit more clearly. And, you know, mm-hmm. teaching is that really, and I think if you get that right, and it's really hard to get right, by the way, um, I'm making it sound very simplistic, but I really do think some of the adaptive approaches that are being talked about online and, and demonstrated nowadays are, could be really exciting moving forward as long as you keep it fairly simple and you do need to know your children mm-hmm. yeah such good advice it does all come down to how well we know our learners doesn't it it really and that's, does and it's, it's all tied in with what you're saying though because when you make people feel valued they're more likely to open up you know and and mm. communicate with you and you get to know all of them you know not just their academic side so yeah and, and, it, and, it's, and you know poppy is it so wrong to say to a child or a learner in your classroom do you know what? I'm really sorry. I've given you the wrong work today. This is too easy for you. Or I think this, you know, maybe this is a little bit too challenging just now. We need to just take one step back and then, and, you know, it's nice for a child to think, oh, actually, it wasn't all down to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it also shows how you're in it together, doesn't it? Mm. If 
if you're saying to them like oh it's not quite right you're showing that you know you're all in that learning boat together yeah. i guess and yeah, yeah i love that and um just for anyone who's, who's just joined us i see we've just got some new listeners come on we're talking to paul brown from the head teacher from brown school school and he's just thrown out an amazing idea about vip jumpers i feel like i need to get these for university i love this absolutely i agree <laughs> do, yeah. do the staff have um a vip jumper as well or is it just we, for... we we did ask the staff about it and they absolutely vehemently did not want them at the time so <laughs> we might revisit what? that at some point in the future i know i think they're miserable i i told them exactly that i said you're just too miserable you've got you've got to be going with this it sounds so snazzy like a red jumper with gold vip maybe it's because you make them feel like vips all the time paul maybe they don't need a jumper (laughs) but we do do things for the staff you know we have a shout out board in the staff room where we just put out little thank yous and heart shaped post-it notes and say thanks so much for covering my lesson yesterday or whatever thanks you did a great job at running sports day or thanks to Lynn for hoovering the carpets or whatever you know so sorry we made such a mess with the clay that's usually what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh I love that oh it's re- really nice so many good tips and uh, and, and we, another thing to affirm an email or a card from a parent or thank you or anything like that we stick them all up because when you're having a tough old day and you get in the staff room you can have a look at it and think actually yeah we're making a difference we're doing stuff it's all working really you know when the bigger picture comes back to you then you think yeah we're moving in the right direction oh i love that the wall of love yeah i think so many teachers i talk to you know we, we usually focus on the negatives and mm. you know the the stressful parts of the job but there are all these amazing glimmers of magic aren't there in teaching and i think Absolutely. what i love is how at your school you're displaying them like you're not afraid to be like these are the great things about the school community and celebrating them that's so so important we forget mm. that sometimes yeah absolutely amazing right well well we've covered three questions in about half an hour yeah, <laughs> i'm not sure that. i'm gonna get through all my list but no i love i love it so it's so interesting um let me have a look at my list what i'm gonna pick up uh next okay actually i've written something for you as as a head mm. i've heard of the myth of the super teacher or the super head and as you've been a head in three schools i wonder whether you can talk to me a bit um about what you think that means i guess one of the of i guess what you see is i remember in my day when i first started teaching which was way before any sort of social media you got a you got the the odd person who'd get on the teaching practice bus you know and you'd be exhausted from doing a doing a day's work and you think oh that didn't go so well and this didn't go so well or whatever and you feel a bit dejected about how you've got on and what could have done differently and reflecting on all that and, and then someone would jump on the bus after you with a box full of stuff going oh i've had the best day it was amazing i did this and i did that and the kids all love me and and i'd be sitting there like wanting to zip my coat up over my head hiding a ball thinking why are they so brilliant at this and i really struggle and and actually you know that's been magnified so many times more by social media and i'm not saying social media is a bad thing but i am saying treat it with care um, and and look at it with a skeptical eye sometimes because if you were to look on I don't know but any social media really you will see the most incredible displays people saying this is you know my class are this and they're that and I do this amazing thing and that amazing thing and I'm quite sure they do these teachers and and head teachers do these amazing things but actually stand back a little bit and say well we're all good at some stuff and but we're all struggling with other things and it isn't perfect in their world and you're just seeing the shiny side of the apple um you know the other side's rotten and or bitten away or whatever 
and it's really important to just remember that we're all we're all struggling we're all trying we're all doing our best and we all sometimes don't get it right and sometimes we get the impression from the media or whatever that there's a you know super head who's going to come and sort it all out you know you remember the london challenge schools who had these amazing you know very well paid super heads who came in and and fired and sacked and sorted and and actually lots of those schools have gone backwards now some of them haven't some of them haven't and i wouldn't be able i'm not an expert enough to say which have and which haven't but there is a real risk in putting everything on the person on the persona or the character of somebody mm-hmm. um it's it can't be about just one person so you might be a fantastic teacher in your own classroom but if you're being a maverick and not working with the rest of the school team and your classroom looks very different from everyone else's you're creating that within school variation which you need to be sharing that good practice or following the school's policies and 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 i know that sounds really boring actually to, to some people but actually being creative within the school's boundaries and policies and 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 you know so we're all doing the same things in the same way and it's consistent for children is much better um so being part of a team i think is far more important a great team player um mm-hmm. sharing um it's not a, it's not about individual glory this job it can it's never been it's about being the best part of the team you can be um mm-hmm. and the better you are at that the the better you'll be so you don't have to be a superhero you know superheroes mm-hmm. tend to leave a wake of destruction behind them wherever they go <laughs> and 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 that's not what we want what we want is is steady solid really creative people working together because the part mm-hmm. you know the parts when put together are greater um and the whole then becomes something more powerful um and mm-hmm. so you know in terms of behavior or anything else be part of the team don't try and stand out just for yourself you know don't try and lose that ego a bit is what i'm saying i guess and and you know you can be mis you can be misled by looking at social media and thinking everyone's a better head teacher school leader teacher than you are and it just mm-hmm. isn't true oh such good advice thank you paul and for any leaders or aspiring leaders listening really good advice about being yeah part of part of the team even though you're the head of the school being part of the team i love that um the next question I, w- I wanted to ask you, Paul, is something a little bit different, but still linked. I wonder how important you think parents are when it comes to developing this positive school culture. I know you've spoken about valuing everyone in the school, but what kind of part do parents play in your school? Well, I think, you know, in all the schools that I've ever been in, I always feel parents are so massively under- <laughs> underrated as a, as a resource. You know, it, it amazes me really that, that these parents... We, sometimes you do have to take a step back and just look and think what's going on um some schools are quite frightened of parents they're scared to let them in they're scared to get them involved my question's always been you're only ever as good as a school never mind Ofsted you're only as good as parents say you are um and so it's really really important for schools to help parents to understand their vision their values be really clear and transparent in that and then show parents what you mean because let them in show them things you know we get them loads of them in on a, on a friday for vip worship for example and we try and show them exactly what we mean by being a vip in our school what does that what does that mean what the values we're putting on forward in their children trying to trying to develop in their children um and i think um you know if if you can get parents on site they are such powerful advocates for your school 
Um, they have so many talents and skills to offer, you know, things, expertise in other fields that you might not have as a school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really, really important, you know, and, what, and, and, you know, if you take one little step back there and look at a parent and think this parent's being unreasonable or, or whatever, this is why we can't let them any closer to school. Actually, when you look a bit closer, you think actually they're trusting us with the most precious thing that has ever been in their lives. You know, their children are, mm-hmm. apps, you know, if you said to any parent, what would you choose, your house or your child? They say it, it would take them less than a nanosecond to tell you which that is. You know, it, so so you know, and what they're saying is, I'm going to take this most precious thing that's ever been created in my life, and I'm going to take them and give them to a whole group of strangers for six hours a day and hope for the best. You know, and that is a massive act of trust and vulnerability from a parent. And so to then diminish that, yeah. So parents are sometimes a little bit unreasonable or perhaps a little bit worried or a little bit anxious and we should acknowledge that and see it and then work from there um, and and if you get that right if you show parents that you where you know your school is a safe place it's a loving place it's a place where your child's going to be nurtured and appreciated and also shown the right things to do in terms of behavior learning behaviors teach them how to be how to be a, the right sort of person um and giving them opportunity to take responsibility parents love to see what goes on and and will be powerful advocates for your school i love that and i've actually never thought about it in that way paul like yeah they're trusting us with their most yeah. precious yeah the most precious thing in their life i never really thought yeah. about that and for us, yeah. it's just, you know, sometimes we, we forget and we say, oh, it's just a job. You just rock up on Monday, don't you? And you start teaching again and on you go for another week. But actually, some parents will find it really difficult, you know, unless they know what's happening in that classroom. It's like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. You know, we're all looking <laughs> through the gates, but we don't know what goes on in there, you know. And, and it's really important to be really transparent and show parents, you know, these are our expectations. This is how we manage behaviour. You parents are very quick to use a bullying word aren't they and so it's really important to say you know it's not bullying this is what we do you know come and have a look at playtime come and see what we do at lunch times come and see um you know a maths lesson or whatever and it does it is vulnerable you know it's it's a it's a way of putting yourself in a vulnerable position as a school well, so you, would you actually let a let a parent come and see a playtime pool absolutely what yeah, why not, why not? <laughs> because, you, how would that work well 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 go and come and have a look we you know we we if it would be informal they would come in they'd say you know would you mind you know they'd have to make an appointment to come but they're very welcome to come and have a look if they're worried um, wow. and we and we also let them come and watch the children play if they want to you know it's they, it's there's nothing to hide it's it's a safe place so wow i love that well i might, might have to move my children to your school <laughs> i'd love well, to come and see what well the thing is the way. thing is children will tell stories you know and when parents start to worry about their children they start to direct the narrative to the negative so they'll say what went wrong at school today mm-hmm. you know and then the child goes oh mum needs an answer about what went wrong i better think of something you know mm-hmm. and and instead it's much better for parents you know we talk an awful lot to parents about saying look you're the really vital cog in this even if you're worried about us even if you think we're doing something we shouldn't be doing or we're doing it wrong for your child please don't share that in front of your children please give the impression that you've got 100 percent faith and trust in our school because if you do that your child will have 100 percent faith and trust in our school if you talk to them or if you overshare with them or you talk over their heads to your partner about worries and anxieties you've got about the way school's doing something they will hear it and they will have worries and anxieties about the way we're doing things and you 
need to create an impression that school is a great place to go. It's a really happy mm -hmm. place, a place where you can feel safe. And it's a place where you're going to learn and you're going to be your best. And even if you don't believe that as a parent, challenge the school in the right way without the child knowing too much about that. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Brilliant advice there for uh, how we can support parents to help us develop our positive school culture. So for everyone just joining, we're just talking to head teacher Paul here about creating a positive school culture. So I guess my next question then kind of lead on from that is then how can individual teachers contribute to this school cult culture then, Paul? What kind of role do they have in your school? Um, I think the big thing is being, you know, under, it's up to the school leadership team to be really clear about their vision and values and show that and, and demonstrate that to the staff and then say, and this is how our behaviour policy or our relational policy is going to be. And this is how we would like you to to take that forward. You know, once the senior leadership team has made decisions about how behaviour is going to be managed, how planning is going to be done, um, you know how parents are going to be engaged all those things um, how the how the lessons are going to look in and the, and the timetables are going to look then it's up to then the the phase team leaders or however, however you structure your school to then give that out to the staff and say to them all how does that look for you and make sure that that's really clear and then keep revisiting that so that the staff really understand what they're supposed to be modeling how they're supposed to be doing it you know giving them maybe some scripted conversations to help them to make sure that they're, they're telling people in the right way. Um, newer staff that are coming in need to have a mentor or somebody to support them, a buddy to support them, even if they're, they're not new staff, you know, if they're experienced staff, mm -hmm. um, they need somebody alongside them who knows the school or is more familiar with the school who can say, look, this is what we mean by that. This is what that would look like in, in practice and model it to them and show them and get alongside them and be there, you know, to coach. And, you know, we're big on coaching. We do very little formal lesson observation. We do much more about developmental coaching. So coaching each other, supporting your colleagues, and then all getting behind the same messages and the same vision and values and living that out and challenging each other when we're not. Um, and that's what an individual teacher should be doing. You know, things like, it's okay to have a little grumble in the in the staff room. That's absolutely what you should be doing. But if it starts to become corrosive gossip and unkindness, then I would expect some of my staff to say, "I think it, I think it's probably better if you go and talk to them directly about that." Mm -hmm. You know, because if you allow a culture to get sucked into that vortex of, of corrosive sort of gossiping and backstabbing, it's pretty soon undermines. The, the whole school really and and so it's really important to sort of challenge that fairly directly and that's and teachers you know stay on message follow the policies be be part of the team that's the big bit really for for teachers is just play your part within your phase team and then the wider school team and try as best you can to stay i know it's, it sounds a bit corporate doesn't it because i don't like the idea of corporate schools and it makes me very nervous but being being united behind a set of values is really important mm -hmm. and modeling that definitely yeah re really good advice there paul thank you so yeah i suppose that's right we're, we're all individuals but part of this bigger thing aren't we it's important having your own identity but also being part of the school's identity and i think yeah for me i could really see because I, I think i worked in six primary schools when i was a teacher wow. um and i could really see those where you know, I was totally supporting the school's values and it, it just felt a better place for me to work. Whereas when I, you know, 
worked in other schools where I didn't quite, you know, agree with their behavior management policy and marketing policy, which all fed into the, that bigger vision. Yeah. Um, I didn't stay in those schools so long. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Poppy, I think that's right. I think that's right. You know, it doesn't necessarily even mean that they're bad schools. It just means that for you as a person, that those vision, those values or the way that that school wants them to be applied doesn't mm-hmm. suit, doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't feel the right fit. Um, and so they may well be very effective schools, but it's just not the right school for you as a as a teacher. And, you know, I've felt that before in schools where I've thought, you know, I've gone to support in schools and thought, blimey, I'm, I'm not sure I could have taught here. Um, you know, and, and I think that's fine, really. You know, we are all different and we all have different values and you know, some schools suit us and some schools don't. Yeah, really, really good point there. And to all my, so now, now I teach at university level, you know, the next generation of teachers. And I always say to them, remember there are thousands of schools out there you know don't be afraid to to try more than one and I think particularly for new teachers you know ECTs and NQTs Mm. who start in one school and then you know think you have to stay I mean I stayed in my first school for four years Mm. and then I just felt ready to move on so I think for anyone listening as well maybe if you're you know falling a bit out of love with things at the moment in your work like just remember there are other schools you know other teaching jobs in Mm. in other places and yeah I think it's important that you're a good fit for the school and the school's a good fit for you isn't it absolutely and a change is as good as a rest sometimes sometimes it starts off really well you know you're really positive and everything and then well for whatever reason it doesn't seem to fit quite so well or you know you you sort Mm -hmm. of fall out of love with the with the approaches being taken or whatever and you can challenge that you know in a professional way um but if that still isn't something that you you know, it still doesn't sit well with you. Yeah, absolutely. Think about maybe it's time to move on. Maybe it's time to look somewhere else. Exactly. Great advice there, Paul. So we've got 10 minutes left. I'm hoping we can do two more questions. What do you think? I don't know. Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> let's go for it. Let's go for it. Um, so two very different questions. The first one, and I know you've given us lots of sprinkles of, of advice through this interview today, but what for for any kind of new heads or aspiring heads what are your key observations or advice to these new leaders after 21 years of your own school leadership um i think the 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 biggest thing that when i work on mpq programs i do the mpqh for three different providers and and i think one of the things i would say there is that develop your own vision develop you know do a lot of reading do a lot of listening to podcasts decide what you know what feels comfortable for you and what doesn't mm-hmm. um once you establish what you think is vitally important and what you think a school should be and how it should serve the community in which it's placed then decide on a core set of very simple principles and values and try your very best to then think okay that's what I believe. What would that look like in the day-to-day life of a school? So what would I be seeing in the corridors? What would I see on the playground? What would the parents be doing? What would the staff be doing? What would the cleaner be doing? Um, try and see that in your head. Almost write it out, draw it out, whatever you want. Um, mm-hmm. Describe it to yourself and then talk with the senior leadership team in that school about how much, how different that might look to what is the current situation in that school especially if you're the new head to a school, you know, don't just go in and make wholesale changes because actually there might be 50% or 70% of what you aspire to be already in place. 
Um, and you don't have to make your mark by just throwing out really good things that are already there. Make your mark by changing the stuff that needs to be changed. Fantastic advice there. Thank you so much, Paul. Um, yeah, change what needs to be changed. And and back to your earlier thing you said, I mean, like, don't be a maverick. No, try <laughs> don't not. Just... <laughs> well, the trouble is with mavericks, they're great. They, you know, it's great to have a couple of sort of maverick teams who are willing to take a risk. I'm not saying that, you know, do dangerous learning, do learning that's going to be at the edge of children's, you know, zone of proximal development. Make sure that children are really engaged and excited by what you're doing with them. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying don't be exciting in your teaching, but do it within within the values and the vision and the policies of the school so that you can be supported as a school teacher. You know, you, you want to feel like the school could get behind you if something went wrong. Um, but also there is a, there is a, there's a shared togetherness about what we believe, you know, in our school, we're a loving school. So we would expect you to not shout at children, for example, you know, don't do that, mm -hmm. do this instead. And so if teachers were then in their own classrooms thinking, well, I know a better way of doing this. I'm going to humiliate, shout at children and belittle them and be sarcastic mm -hmm. and whatever. I would have to say something about that because that's not following the policies that we want in our school. And that might be okay in some way. Well, I wouldn't think it is. It's abusive, but you know, it, it, there are things that you could do that we would not approve of that would still be perfectly fine in a school, but we wouldn't want you to do them at our school. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yes, you can be an exciting, innovative, you know, teacher, but, but do be part of the whole, I guess. Amazing advice there, Paul. Thank you. Uh, so I'm hoping I can tap into your advice just one more time, please, with my last question. <laughs> I, don't know whether, um, I don't know whether my wells have still got anything left in them. <laughs> I, feel like I've just, I feel like I've just repeated myself on over and over. No, it's been, been so, so useful. Um, so that was really good to hear kind of advice for those new heads. What what about those, someone who's right at the start of that journey? Someone who maybe they just finishing their teacher training, they're looking forward to September for starting their very first day with their own class. Mm. I don't know if you can remember back to your very first class. I, I absolutely can. Yeah, tell, um, tell us a bit about them, then I'll ask my question. Um, well, I remember uh, after the first day, when I first started teaching, it was chalkboards. So I had a blackboard with chalk. I didn't have a whiteboard of any sort, let alone one with fancy pens, and definitely not one that you could touch, and it was, it was a computer. Goodness me, no, none of that. <laughs> proper blackboard that used to roll around. Do you remember them, the rolling around blackboards? Yes, I remember. Yeah. I love yeah. them. They were so squeaky. <laughs> yeah. So we, I had one of them in my classroom. I remember the very first day after having a having my class and I remember it was a really sunny day outside and I just remember the chalk the kids had all gone home and I was sitting on the desk and thought wow I've got through a day as a real teacher and all the chalk was just falling really slowly in the sunlight towards the, towards the floor you know and I just yeah. it just I was just like I just remember it being almost in slow motion and it was it was an amazing feeling to actually feel um that you had your own group of children and you had your own learners and it was up to you now for a year to to yeah. uh, take responsibility and you know if you go back to what i said about parents and the trust that they place in in schools to look after and care for their children and educate them in a way that they would approve of mm -hmm. what that responsibility can lie really heavy on new newly qualified ect teachers um and the the you know going back to that idea the myth of the super teach you know looking online and seeing other people doing these amazing displays and having time to do their marking in a fancy way and 
doing all these incredible things, it can very quickly intimidate you and give you that imposter syndrome. You know, I'm not as good as all this. I'm, I'm never going to be getting away with this. And actually, my advice to them would be, you will be doing just great. Just mm-hmm. stick in and ask for advice from from friendly members of staff who, who are interested in your development, your progress. Um, do lots of reading around subjects that you, you know, you think, you know, being really reflective is the big thing, I think, when you're a younger teacher is saying, you know, not being too hard on yourself, but saying what went really well today and write down some stuff that went really well and then ask yourself, well, why did that go so well? Why was that so great? And then, you know, one thing today that wasn't so brilliant, what could I have done differently there? And if you're not sure, talk to someone else, you know, talk to a more, more experienced member of staff and say, I'm thinking this, I'm, I'm not sure, what do you think? Um, I think there's a, there's a, a real risk in younger um, sorry less experienced not necessarily younger less experienced teachers teachers newer to the profession watching really experienced teachers you know i think tom bennett says something about you know you wouldn't go and watch darcy bustle at the at the royal ballet and then go right i've seen somebody doing ballet i can do that next week i'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> you know that's not the way to learn to be a ballerina or or, or a ballet uh, a, a ballet star of some sort the way to do it is hard graft and, and learning as you go along and and I think I would subscribe to that is you know talk to staff about what are you doing how are you doing that you know maybe getting somebody alongside you to coach you sometimes through lessons if you're worried um, and being vulnerable and open enough to that and you know that's what really strong learners do um, mm-hmm. you know don't feel you have to be the finished article in in week one or year one or in fact decade one because we never are, and I still am absolutely not there by any means. Um, every, every day I go into school and I think, oh, oh yeah, I could have done that instead. That would have been a much better idea. You know, every day is a school day, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the best teachers are learners as, themselves as well, aren't they? Absolutely, and I think being really open with your children about that as well in your class is really important. You know, oh, I've done that wrong, haven't I? What have I done wrong there? Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. You know, Love that. Being really open and really vulnerable is a really a real strength. You know, but you have to be a strong person to do that, don't you? So good, yeah. Just ro- just role model life, like just role model Absolutely. what it is to be human. Absolutely. And you actually have answered my question, which was what would your advice be? But some really good advice there that you've offered out. I think that the social media one is is a biggie. Like I always say to my students, join social media, you know, yeah. get on all the good social medias, get on all the groups, the teachers, mm-hmm. you know, hashtags and, and groups. But use them for inspiration, not Mm. as a comparison, because I think, yeah, you know, just like as anything on social media, like you said earlier, they show the the shiny side of the apple. You can't see all the, you know, the rubbish piled on the kitchen worktop, you know, next to that cake or whatever. So exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't think your classroom needs to look perfect to be a a positive learning space because that's not the case. I mean, my classroom used to be a bit chaotic at times, but what matters is the learning and the progress and Mm. the support and the, the love in the room isn't it not how tidy my desk is I mean hopefully the students didn't mind <laughs> yeah, well, well but it's absolutely true isn't it you know learning is messy learning is messy and as long yeah. as as long as there's you know organized chaos you, you're probably fine um and and you know if that seems to like it's overwhelming you talk to people about systems you know and strategies you can take but I agree you know the best classrooms are usually busy classrooms and and children are getting on with stuff and being independent and that does mean that they're not always the tidiest you know learning walls aren't always the tidiest are the proper working walls that are Mm -hmm. used and applied well are not necessarily things of beauty but they are really useful and worthwhile 
So good. And just um, I'll end with just a, a very quick horror story. I took, thinking about, you know, we mentioned find the right school for you. I remember once mm. my children were doing an activity in their classroom. They were, I think they were doing some kind of group activity or chatting away. I think I was in year four or five. So, you know, lots of, you know, big children with big voices. And I just remember um, one of the school leaders at the time, I won't name any names or schools, but um, the school leader stuck their head in through my door, just threw my door open, stuck their head yeah. in. They're like, gosh, what's all this noise going on in here? And I just um, remember like sh literally shriveling, like, yeah. you know, they were ha having really good peer learning. They were yeah. obviously enthused and excited. And I just remember just feeling like, oh, all my power is just <laughs> being sucked away by that comment. And, yeah. and I think as well, that's really hard. Um, sometimes we do have leaders that, that aren't so supportive it, it can feel really damaging and toxic sometimes so it's great to hear their heads like you out there paul <laughs> i think i think there's a really good thing about that i can't remember who made the quote but that it's a it's a fairly old quote but it's a, engagement is a poor proxy for learning so you know classrooms where you go in and you see children sitting quietly at their work and and seemingly engaged or classrooms where that look very busy don't neither of those things suggest that the children might be learning anything at all Mm -hmm. What you need to do is look at what they're doing really well, um, ask ask about what's going on, assess that as you're going along, and then you'll know whether it's engagement or not. You know, being engaged, whether it's learning or not, engagement doesn't necessarily mean children are learning. So your children there would have probably been learning really well. And it's a real <laughs> shame when somebody can just stick their head through a door, see something and make a snap judgment like that. I, I would never do that. It, I think seek, seek to understand is one of the most important things a school leader can do. Yeah. Wow. More, more words of wisdom right in the final seconds of the show. <laughs> oh, you're so wise. I, I you, made me, you made me want to get back into school now <laughs> and make a change. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paul. That does actually bring us to the, the end of our show here on Teachers Talk Radio. But I just want to say a huge thank you, Paul, for giving up some of your half term to come and talk to us today. You're very welcome. I'm going to the beach in a minute. Wow, amazing. Wow, you've earned it after <laughs> giving us giving us all your wisdom. I hope you, that the sun stays out for you and you have yeah. a wonderful weekend. You too. All right. Take care, Paul. And uh, to everyone listening, thanks for joining us and see you again next time. Take care. Bye. Bye, Bye Paul. Bye.